Hey everyone, wherever you are, I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We hear the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show, interviews and discussion with regular people just like yourselves. Today we are joined by Wes Levitt, Head of Strategy at Theta Labs. Theta is a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer video delivery network powered by blockchain technology that enables free, high-bandwidth content delivery. As users watch videos, part of their competing power is harnessed to relay those videos to other users, with the primary users earning tokens as a reward. That was a mouthful, but I know most of you do know who Theta is. We've talked about this interview for a while. Before we get into the questions about Theta and crypto and all that sort of stuff, we're going to talk about Wes and his background. Wes, thank you for making time in the somewhat early morning. Tell us about yourself. Thanks for having me, Karen. Glad to be here. As you mentioned, I'm head of strategy at Theta Labs. Not too early here. It's about 9.30 here in Amsterdam, where I'm based. And I've been with Theta Labs for about five years now. And as you said, we're building a centralized streaming solution that actually over time has evolved into more of a decentralized provider of any type of cloud service, whether it's streaming or compute, or we're starting to roll out storage now as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I guess my question is, I think most people would be familiar with cloud services like Google and Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure. What's the need for a decentralized cloud service? Amazon and Google seem to be doing well enough. Yeah, so the backstory of why we, we started building this solution to begin with is because we came out of our own esports video platform called Sliver TV, where bandwidth costs were really cost prohibitive for, for us as a startup video platform. While you're at global scale, maybe bandwidth is a little cheap for you, but for the majority of video platforms, it's actually quite expensive. And at one point, it was 50% of our, of our entire expense load was just streaming video. It, it started trying to solve our own problem and we realized that in the case of us for streaming esports, you have pockets of viewers very concentrated in areas like Brazil, Eastern Europe, around the world where a certain game might be popular or a certain team might be popular. So we realized it would actually be much more efficient to stream a given video stream a few times to an area and have those five or 10 users distribute it locally to all the other users in their area where several hundred might be watching in the same city. And so instead of us paying for Akamai or AWS to send that stream 500 times, you pay to stream it 10 times and then it can be shared amongst them. This decentralized model in the specific case where you have a high concurrency of users, it is cheaper and more efficient to distribute over this decentralized network. And the reason why we compared that with the data blockchain that we built is because you have to incentivize these users to want to share the video with other local peers. They're generally not going to want to do it for free, even though it doesn't really cost them anything extra. You really want a robust network of users to actually do this work, the network. They have to be provided something in return, which is where a token reward is very effective. That makes a lot of sense. I'm a big gamer. I think most people in Asia are. People are a bit crazy for mobile games over here. I've kept abreast of Theta since I've gone to crypto. Definitely not been as long as you, but five years or so. How is the esports thing going? How's the esports streaming stuff going? If you are aware of it at the moment, because I know what Theta has been doing, but I haven't seen that esports side of things. Yeah, so that's where we came out of sort of in our DNA, but we realized pretty quickly on that going head to head with Twitch is it's a hold there. And even if you raise, you've seen over the last five years since we started, there's a graveyard of video platforms that even if they raise hundreds of millions, your caffeine, there's Doya Huya and many that over the years tried to take them on. And they all either got acquired or shut down because you really just can't go against Twitch, even if you throw millions of dollars at it. Mixer, yes. 
can't just but you can't just buy off streamers and think you're going to take on Twitch. It doesn't mean they're going to be number one forever, but we pretty quickly realized one that's a difficult niche to go after, and two, what we built doesn't just work for esports. Reality is, once you build out this these rails for this decentralized network, any type of content can be shared on this as long as it has a high concurrency of users. So live sports, live music, even VOD content, as long as many users are watching it at the same time. And then to get even further down that theme, we also realized once we had built out this rails of this edge network built of tens of thousands of users, they have compute power too. They can do transcoding and encoding. They can even do other things like doing some of the modeling for AI models where you have to just throw massive amounts of compute at it. The esports video in the long term, what it's become, it was basically like our catalyst for building this network, but I wouldn't say that's our focus anymore. I still think esports streaming is a massive market as you probably know, but I don't think that it's very wise for us to try to take it on ourselves. And it seems like a wise decision, like moving into cloud and you mentioned AI as well. And I guess that's going to be my next question. And just so everybody knows the audience, as usual, right, we've gone totally off script. That's okay. <laughs> with AI, and most people would be familiar with ChatGPT and Microsoft said, oh, we're giving you $10 billion. And later on, we found out, oh, yeah, it's $10 billion worth of Azure credits, right? Azure is their cloud service, which we just mentioned earlier. Listen. Given theta, and we've seen crypto, like AI products, but nothing like with the reputation like that Theta has, right? Like you guys are a top 100 crypto project known by pretty much everyone, even regular people like me. So is that a potential future at the moment? Because I've seen the website, I've seen the transcoding, encoding stuff, I've seen the VOD <laughs> stuff. I haven't seen too much of an AI. Is that something that's just not on the table at the moment? Yeah, it's something that our focus is media and entertainment. We want Theta to be the premier layer one for media entertainment companies because we see a lot of strong network effects when different video platforms or different Hollywood IP are all working together on our chain. So it cross pollinates and they know they're working with the team that understands their needs and works with them. So that's always going to be our number one focus. The AI thing is interesting. It's popped up a few times this year and actually there's two startups building on Theta, Levita and FedML in the AI space. And I would say our approach on that is we're not going to make it a focus because that's somewhat out of our wheelhouse, but at the same time, if there's projects in this space that see value in building on Theta, we're of course going to encourage it. It's still going to add value to our ecosystem. And I think it, it is going to somewhat overlap anyway in the future, because right now we're in this time where we think of AI as this distinct sector. In the same way, a lot of people think of crypto and blockchain as a distinct sector to invest in. But the reality is over time, we think Every different sector of the economy is going to incorporate blockchain in some way. It's not this thing sitting out over here by itself that other sectors don't use. It's going to be part of everything in the same way that it's like you can invest in internet sector, but the reality is it touches everything. So the point I'm getting at is I think AI is the same. And so while we focus on entertainment, AI is already infiltrating huge parts of media and entertainment already. We work with a company called Toonstar that launched a subchain on our Theta blockchain recently, and they released uh, a new animated series called Space Junk. And one of the char characters is entirely AI generated. And if people can feed prompts to it, then it'll come out in the future episodes. So we don't see it as so much as, oh, it's a separate thing, AI that's building on Theta now. It's just one more thing that's going to be incorporated into pretty much every sector, including the media and entertainment one that's our number one. Okay. 
Got it. Chris, I know we're looking into theta and, and the website. I know I did see a lot of cool things mentioned, but like specifically about the AI stuff and the projects that are building on theater. So all the social links as usual for those who are listening to the podcast or watching the video will be down in the show notes. But for those two projects that you mentioned, I mean, for the animation you mentioned, like what's a good place to follow those developers? Yeah, the easiest way I would say is, is follow us on Twitter at Theta underscore network where we're, you'll see anything new coming across. But on our website, the ecosystem page is a great way to see all the current projects they're building on Theta and get a sense of everything that's going on. And so then you'll see as new projects come up, we'll feature them on that page as well. Cool. Okay. I'll make sure to include those links as well and maybe some pictures as well for some people. Because I know that is, unfortunately, the people want AI and you have to give them AI. Yeah, that's how we feel too. It's not going to be a, exactly a post, but at the same time, if that's what people are demanding, we are a permissionless L1 and anyone can build anything they want on Theta. So the door is always open if you see value in building it, regardless of what it is nice okay so as you mentioned you're in amsterdam we gotta zoom out a bit because of everything that's happened in the u.s and then you know the eu as well for those who don't remember they have that that mika or mica legislation as well but having lived in amsterdam for two years how does it feel like being in amsterdam looking at what's happening in the u.s right now what do you think about all of that yeah quite a lot's happened in the u.s since I, I am back very frequently in the U.S. at Theta headquarters, so I'm not like I totally stepped out and I'm just seeing from afar how things are going so badly at the U.S. But yeah, the regulatory environment couldn't be more different. In the MECA legislation that passed here in the EU, it is rather strict regulation. It's going to be definitely more of a regulatory burden than it was in the past for crypto companies. But that said, from what I can see so far, it seems pretty fair. It seems there's going to be more reporting and transparency. It's going to be a pain in the ass in some ways for crypto companies, but it's not out there to kill crypto. Case in point, the response from European crypto companies that I've seen has generally been pretty positive about Mika. So that says a lot. Contrast that with the response of most US crypto companies about how they feel about the SEC right now. It's night and day because they're really just coming at it where it feels like the personal crusade of Gary Gensler, where he just wants to put a stake through the heart of this stuff. I'm not very optimistic at the moment about the regulatory state in the U.S., and I think it's driving a huge amount of companies out of the U.S. I've talked to several that have straight up said we're leaving for the U.K. or Singapore or Dubai or Hong Kong. That's just it. That said, I do wonder if Last week or two, I've been seeing more talk in the U.S. about maybe Gensler and the SEC have overreached. You're starting to see a few Congress people have openly called for crypto legislation to come to the floor that would basically let Congress set the guidelines for this, and then the SEC would just be forced to fully enforce along congressional guidelines, not just write their own policy by suing whoever they want. And there's even been one Congress who actually called for Gary Gensler's removal from office specifically on the grounds that he had far overreached on crypto enforcement. So I do wonder if maybe he's going a little too far where even putting his crusade against crypto at risk. And I hope that means that you'll see a little bit of him and the back off on this won't be quite as bad, but the damage may already be done. And like I said, so there's a lot of U.S. crypto companies that are already on the move. And crypto is a global industry and the talent is global. People are distributed and working blockchain all over the world. So 
I think the best that he can do is maybe drive it out of the U.S., but it's not like he can really stamp it out. The companies will just move to the many other friendly jurisdictions. I've seen both the U.K. and Hong Kong who have openly said, if you are leaving the U.S., please come here. That tells you what's going to happen. You're not killing crypto. You're just driving it to other jurisdictions. Exactly. You mentioned the U.K. We know A16Z set up over there as well. Hong yeah. has been telling HSBC and Standard Chartered, hey, you guys have to do business with crypto companies or else. And that's all yeah. bad, but it's also good for crypto companies as well. Speaking of data, you guys thinking of We're certainly evaluating options. While we won't leave the U.S. in a physical presence, but this isn't something like where t next year we're headquartered or tomorrow we're headquartered somewhere else. We've always, over the years, we talk to a lot of other crypto companies and keep tabs on what's going on in other jurisdictions. And I will continue to do that. I don't think it's come to that point now, but if the SEC is determined that they want no crypto companies headquartered in the U.S., there are many people that will be happy to have us. For sure. No, I, I totally agree. And to reiterate that fact, 21 Shares, right? This is the Twitter and Co podcast. 21 Shares is the subsidiary of Twitter and Co. The headquarters is in Zurich, but we still have an office in New York. And I know our yeah. CEO has said they're not leaving the U.S. either. They still have hope for the U.S. I, I lived in America like 20 years ago, but I still think crypto is not going to disappear from the U.S. And, and just like emphasizing what you said already. Yeah. The IMF just, I think it was just last few days. I just saw the headline this morning, but it more or less admitted that you cannot just ban crypto. It doesn't operate in the same way of just saying, oh, we don't like this physical place of business, so we're going to shut it down. You can't stop it that way. So it's a fool there. And I think governments are already largely around the world realizing that. I really think this is specific to this administration and specifically Gary Gensler and Elizabeth Warren that think this is an idea that they can get rid of crypto in the U.S. I honestly think that whether Democrat or Republican, the next group in is going to say, this is crazy. We're not going to be able to pull this off. Let's just put forward some common sense legislation like the EU has done that appears to be working very well. And let's just treat it like any other space that needs to be regulated but allowed to thrive. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Wes. Coming a bit closer back towards our theory topic is you talked about networks and bandwidth and this is always super interesting to me like i got into crypto as a miner as somebody who like oh my god i grew up building computers and let's throw some extra stuff into machine and mines and ethereum etc so you, you know you mentioned streaming and everyone knows netflix and disney as well and a lot of these companies are like oh my god we're spending a lot of money disney said we're trimming down in content netflix said we're not paying for so much content and borrowing so much. Do you guys see Theta as being like a backbone of some of these like new streaming services? I think I've seen so many small names that you just don't get out in Asia, but you get out in the States and other jurisdictions. Are you guys going to be the backbone for some of these services in the future? Or are you just going to be like your own individual media company and producing your own shows perhaps? Yeah, it's definitely the former. We see it as Theta is as a decentralized network that can improve or help out these different platforms, both on the technical side that if you can more efficiently do your encoding and transcoding a video and streaming of it on Theta, then that helps out on the infrastructure side. But also once you introduce a token economic model, as you said, maybe that allows you to introduce a business model that helps you compete instead of just trying to compete solely on spending more billions on content than the next guy. We see a lot of interesting things happen where creators are using NFTs on data to token gate their shows they're releasing. So they're bypassing like a traditional subscription model where 
you just pay a fee every month and as soon as you stop paying you stop getting the content instead they'll sell an nft for an event or maybe it's an ongoing thing where as long as you hold this nft you get to continue to watch any new content and it's actually gated by the nft itself so you connect your wallet when it sees you own this nft that may say that's your season pass to watch this show or maybe it's you have permanent ownership of a video collection because you have that NFT in your collection. I think that actually may even be more important than the infrastructure part is that as you see the business models evolve, which always happened, you had your cable package and then streaming killed that. And then now streaming is getting a little bloated where you have to pay for 10 services, just like cable back in the day. There's always going to be room for disruption of that and something that's going to be better for the end user that they'll enjoy more. And I think because there's so much flexibility and a wide landscape what you can do with token economic models we may not even know what after more experimentation what token-based business models people are going to come up with that's like a wide canvas for someone to come up with something that may disrupt then the current streaming business totally agree you mentioned nfts as well and i know like here it's like already a thing here we have a restaurant in taipei where if you want their nft i guess like last year you get like one free piece of chicken for life whenever you go there to grab a meal. And the lady who owns the store is 67 years old or something like that. And she had her son like, hey, we need to do this. Let's do an NFT idea. And there's a, an artist as well who lives like in the middle of Taiwan up in the mountains. Just, yeah, instead of doing Patreon, I'm going to do NFTs. And so if you buy my NFT, you get access to this site and stuff. And you know, this is very much in the culture here. I remember when I moved here 14 years ago, I was a teacher first and I was like, kids were getting like 3,000 Taiwanese dollars, like $100 a month to say, hey, I'm going to buy this skin on Dota or League of Legends and be the opposite of what Western people would think, right? Oh my God, you're paid to win and that sort of stuff, right? Bring this back to theater, right? I think NFTs are cool. I have no problem paying for them. And I guess most people in the crypto don't. We have seen a lot of pushback. How do you think we get Western people on board? With NFTs in general, or just some more, these more integrated use cases you're talking about? Both, both. Integrated use yeah. cases, like you mentioned in the video, I had another example thinking about like NFTs and yeah. NFL Sunday ticket, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So in the US, I think the vast majority of adoption, if you want to call it that, that I saw in the last cycle was just the speculative element, which US is very good at, maybe can't top, say, the Koreans. The US is very good at getting worked into a speculative fever as well. But the more you get deep into that, the more the backlash is. And so I think that was very much sugar high for the US and now the NFT adoption died off. Besides obviously the crypto native folks like NFT NYC is still going strong, but I'm talking about the mainstream folks have written off NFTs now. And I think the way you get around that is these examples you're talking about like NFL Sunday ticket, using an NFT for that. I think it'll probably look like NFTs under the hood but you won't say I'm buying an NFT. It's just, you may buy a concert ticket, but you won't know it's an NFT. It's just in your app because everyone uses a digital ticket on your phone to get in the venue now anyway. And maybe it's just an NFT, but you won't know, you won't tell the mainstream user that's why, but when you are able to transfer it to another user or when you can sell it and have it verifiably be authentic because it's an NFT and there's only one on chain and this is completely publicly verifiable. So you can't be sent a fake ticket. These are all things that NFTs can help with, but I'm not sure it makes sense to tell the user it's an NFT. The analogy I always have used is I know very little about the inner workings of how the internet works, like down to TCP IP level, but I would never expect 
to log on one day. And if I want to use Chrome, I have to know that stuff. You're never going to get the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people on board if that's what you're expecting of them. So don't tell them that. Just show them why it's adding value to you and make a cool new app or some product that they want to use. And that's great if you use this NFT. I probably wouldn't write the words NFT in the app anywhere. Nice. And you make a really good point. And we've had this discussion for the last, I would say, nine months with like different sort of C-suite level people saying, you know what, the future of crypto is moving away from the NFT terminology, the blockchain stuff, the wallet address, this sort of thing. Like we had the backlash with Ledger about saving your passkey online. And I'm like, this is what normal people want. I have a treasure, but my wife has a Ledger. And she was like, oh my God, this is such a wonderful idea. But people I work with, what are you talking about? No, this is horrible. This is violating a core tenet of crypto. I thought it was interesting that the Museum of Contemporary Art around here has signs all through the Amsterdam airport. And it says Basquiat and Warhol and Kusama and NFTs. And then about 12 or 18 months ago, I noticed that they took down all of them. And now it says digital art or something. And I think it's exactly because of what you're talking about, like the NFT nomenclature just got a bad rap it's obviously when they say digital art it's obvious they're still showing nfts in there but they're just framing it a little differently and i think that's going to be pretty widespread is that something that is thinking about is like moving away from some of this quote-unquote hardcore terminology and saying okay let's build this cool experience and let people use it and we'll, we'll skip the technology yeah we have to some extent depends on the audience you're talking to if you're talking to a crypto native audience I still think you, you talk about NFTs, one, because crypto native audience doesn't see that as a bad word. And also they're tech savvy enough that when you say digital art, they're going to be like, well, what does that mean? Is it this or that? Be like, just tell them exactly what it is. They know. If you're talking to an audience that may not even understand NFTs that well, like the a movie studios all pretty much understand NFTs pretty well, but still a lot of folks in the entertainment space, it's a little new to them. And so then you may speak more broadly about it. You kind of just have to know your audience and speak to the level of their understanding or what get out of it. And if it's a non-technical audience, they may not care about anything down to the blockchain level. They just want to know what it provides for them. We say it's a unique collectible that provides ownership to users. It's different than just something like where you, you rent it or watch it once. You can own this for life then they understand that. They don't care if you call it an NFT or a digital asset or whatever it is. They just, they want to understand what it means to an end user. Got it. And I totally agree with you. Wes, we've gone all over the place. We've talked a lot about theater and different aspects. Is there anything about theater today that you'd like to mention, bring back to our audience? This is why you should be interested in, and have a look at the theater community, get involved again if you were maybe lost interest because of, we had horrible things happen last year. But yeah, no, floor is yours. Anything you want to talk about theater, mention as well, go ahead. Yeah, I think the the most interesting to me about theater is that the, as the edge network that we've built is starting to really be fleshed out and what you can do with it. So like now that encoding and transcoding, whether it's even generalized to these AI models is all live, it's starting to get a point where it's no longer a proof of concept coming out. You can actually just start feeding jobs into the edge network. And when we add storage, that's what we want this to be a, as a goal by the like end of year or so, where this is really just, you can think of it as a network where you just input jobs and the network is back work. It's been very specific up till now where it's linked up to a single video platform and it does the encoding of that. And that's great, but it's very like single use or specific use. And we want this to be 
generalized to the point where it's almost modular. You just you send any type of work to it, and these tens of thousands of users around the world will do the work, and then you earn tokens as a reward for that, and you get the finished product back. Generally, that's going to be video because video is 80% of the internet. So that's why it's always going to be the main focus. But still within that, there's a lot of different aspects around the internet, things that need to get done. And so that's the vision of what we're building toward. You hit on a key term as well, which was storage. And people would be familiar with Filecoin and other such services. Are you guys thinking about doing storage in the future? Yeah, we have an alpha version out actually already. But we see it more as just part of, it's an, it's a necessary part if you're doing the activity of a video platform, the story is just one component of that. So it, I think we're viewing it as less of uh, the way Filecoin does, where it's just dedicated storage. So I think the applications of it will probably be different. It's not entirely competitive to Filecoin, even though they'll do the same things, but because we're offering it to partners that are already doing work in video on it. Like my example is it'll probably be used often more for temporary storage of let's say video content, like a, a, a VOD that's popular right now and then later is not needed. So they'll be upload new VOD content for it on our edge network and less likely to be used for like secure encrypted storage of long-term materials. Because the point is you could still use that type of storage in the, what we're envisioning for our edge network. But I think just with the type of clients and partners that we're working with, that's just not what they would use it for. So we may be, I guess, technically they're doing the same thing, but I think we're going after different part types. Got it. Okay. To me, that was exciting because I'm, I use Google drive and I pay for it as well. And it's okay, but it's not my favorite app of choice. And I've tried a few and okay, that's good. So this is definitely more of a, like a, you're a big project and you're doing this cool thing about video and that is going to be the back end of that video architecture. Yeah. And I think it makes more sense to that not everything should use the decentralized solution. I'm sure there's still going to be cases where, you know, if it's not sensitive information and you're just trying to store a few documents, it may not make sense to use a decentralized solution. Like your centralized one's probably working fine, right? It may not be your favorite app if the UI is clunky, but like it's doing its job. There's a reason why millions and millions of people use it. But there's going to be some use cases where it makes more sense. If you're already using a decentralized network along these rails, then if there's already a built-in storage solution that works on this decentralized network that can be done cheaper because the users are already providing these other services, then it probably makes sense for you. I don't expect that Dropbox and Box and Google Drive are just going to disappear because there's decentralized ops. And if you're very deep down the rabbit hole, there's a tendency to think that everything should be decentralized. And that I don't necessarily believe that. Decentralized solutions often are there for a reason. Exactly. And you took the words this is literally straight out of my mind. That's another thing I feel like a lot of people have echoed is that crypto is not going to replace everything. It's going to do some things very well, like what Fiat is doing with video. And that's very necessary as well. Wes, you have said a lot. You've gone all over the place when it comes to questions, but that's fun. I love this interview and you're so on point. It's awesome. I know this is going to come up really well on YouTube. Before we end up today's show, you've talked about Theta. You've mentioned everything else. Is there anything else that you haven't mentioned, Theta or not Theta, pearls of wisdom, things about Amsterdam, whatever you want to mention, the floor is yours. Yeah, I guess to just say, as the point we're recording this, and it'll be out a little later, but mid to late June, I think there's already, the last few months when we've been recording podcasts, the questions are always been about 
at the end, what do you say to the users who are distraught because we're in the depths of a bear market and everything? And yeah, you can argue whether we still are or not, but I think you're already seeing, despite the regulatory onslaught, the space is still moving along. I tend to not be as pessimistic in general in this bear market as I was in the past ones, just because you've been through a few of them at this point. But especially given after the SEC's regulatory actions, and the space kind of just took it and said, that's fine, we're keeping building. This is not going to stop us. I think the space had hardened a lot. The reaction was not, what are we going to do? Firms just said, that's fine. Rishi Sunak just retweeted A16Z and he's excited for all of us to go to the UK. I, I think it's far too late for them to kill crypto. That was probably always true, but you had a lot more questions in the last bear market. I think in this one, people have realized like, it's here to stay now. And even the last few weeks, Maybe people are just excited because the ETFs might get approved, but I feel like the sentiment is just improving and improving. And so I'm very positive on the space as a whole. And at Theta, we feel like we've been through this before and we just got even better by building through the bear market. So yeah, we're quite confident in that regard. Thanks. And I appreciate that as a wonderful way to end up today's podcast. As I mentioned before, all of Theta's socials, we talked about some of those AI projects. I'll try and find those links and put them in the show notes as well. If you guys liked what Wes said, and I know I did, and I'm sure most of you did know who you are, make sure to follow Wes on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, let me know what you thought about today's episode. And hopefully we can catch up towards the end of the year and see how that file storage solution is going. Uh, and there's so much cool stuff going on at Theta. It would be nice to catch up and maybe end up beginning of next year, end of this year. Thanks again, Wes, and I hope to talk to you soon. Sounds good. Nice talking to you, Kriyan. Thanks for having me. Thank you.